Hallelujah. In his presence, there's something that no religious system, no great choir singing, no fancy preacher preaching can ever give you. In his presence and his presence alone, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there is pleasure forevermore. And the joy of the Lord has to be our strength for a time called the last days when perilous times would come and it connotates the reducing of the strength. The Bible said of the Antichrist, he will try to wear out and wear down the saints of the Most High. Amen. How we need that joy of his holy presence. Church, just going to church is far different from going to church to seek the Lord. Can you say man and to worship him? Hallelujah. He's worthy today. Again, I'm going to ask you how many want more? Tell me more. We used to sing it. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more about Jesus. More of his love. More of his grace. More of his love my soul can trace. Tell me more. Tell me more about Jesus. Amen. There are some churches that are social uh, in, in, in talking about social justice. Well, tell me more about Jesus. There's a place for social justice, but it, is, it, it isn't in Jesus' place. Can you say man? There are churches that are, that are really strong in patriotism and politics. There's a place for that, but it is not Jesus' place. Can you say man? In all things, Christ having the preeminence. Praise God. Amen. So you couldn't attract me nowhere with nothing unless Jesus has preeminence. Can you say, man, no choir can sing so good and entertain me so well that I'd rather go sit and listen to them sing than somebody to tell me about Jesus. Can you say, man, I don't go to be entertained. I go to enter into that which is behind the veil. Because in His presence is what? In His presence is what we didn't probably walk in here with this morning. Amen. You know why we didn't walk in with fullness of joy? Because this week, we didn't have an opportunity or... Pray for kings and those that are in authority that we might live a peaceable life. Because their decision is going to affect you, going to affect me, going to affect this nation. Amen. So pray for Mr. Trump. Pray for our president. Pray for whoever becomes the next president. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Say, Brother Venable, I don't live over there. There ain't nothing to me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. The Bible said in that area of prayer and intercession to pray for Jerusalem and give God no rest day or night. Hallelujah. Not that he needs it, but pray without ceasing for Jerusalem. Praise God. Listen, we are a people today that need to be focused and double focused like never before upon Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Looking. It doesn't mean glancing when we're at, through the week and, and maybe taking a little better view when we are more focused view when we are in trouble. Amen. Or we have got some challenge in our life. It means to look away. Say it with me. Look away from all, all that will 
distract. Only you can figure out what is taking your focus from Him and keeping you from focusing on Him. And, and only you can imagine what it's going to take for you to begin to focus on Him. What crisis, what medical report, what incident, what accident, what will it take in our lives? Obviously, what He's done on the cross isn't enough. It's going to take something else, isn't it? Amen? Because if what He did at the cross was enough, we would have took the time. We would have made the effort. It can be done. But you've got to look away from something before you look to anything else. And it's the things that we can't look away from that are in the way of us receiving everything we need to have the strength to overcome in this day while so many are falling away and so many are losing the victory and so many would rather be in a cut-and-dried church service this morning than to be challenged like we are right now. When I started working out at the gym, I did the best I could. But professional bodybuilders came over and they said, come on, preacher Bob. You can do it. Because without a challenge, there won't be a change. I had to change my diet. I had to change my exercise program. I had to change my state of mind, which was pizza and Pepsi at 11 o'clock at night. Because that's when the phone quit ringing I could relax. And by the way, when you buy one pizza at the Pizza Pizza place, Little Caesars back then, you buy one, get one free, Pizza Pizza. So I get one, not because I'm hungry. This is not supper. This is snack. <laughs> hey, come on, Brother Hobbs. Give me, give me bump. We know. Listen, this is snack time. And now my stomach is, you know, I've been to the jail. I've been taking care of this. I've been making a live radio broadcast. I've been preaching. I've been praying. I've been counseling. And now I can just kick back and pizza and Pepsi time. And I'm eating my pizza and drinking my Pepsi. And we get down to where we've eaten me and my sons and my wife. My wife ate one piece. My son ate two pieces. My other son ate one piece. We devoured one large pizza, but there's one left. My son and I are eyeing it. Eyeing it. It's not right to waste good food. It just isn't right. Isn't that right, Lord? We do not waste food in this household. People in somewhere are starving, and we're not wasting that pizza. <laughs> you got two right now? You had them delivered at 10 last night? Somebody delivered them for you. They had them sent to you. And Pepsi. Had them sent to his house anonymously? Well, you know who it came from. All right. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Amen. You don't send men flowers. You send them pizza and Pepsi. Can you say amen? <laughs> don't send them candy or none of that nonsense. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. You know we'll figure it out. One or the other. Yeah, it might be your worst enemy. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't God good today? Praise the Lord.
But I changed my way of thinking. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm a teacher of the word. I want to live it before people. But I want people to know I I can live it before you, but I can't live it for you. I can pray for you. A prayer of faith. But only you can build your faith to receive the answer. Jesus Christ couldn't heal anyone that didn't have faith to receive. I want to say that to you again. Search the scripture. Jesus asked for faith before he healed or helped anybody. He told them clearly, as your faith be. It ain't up to me anymore. I came to do this. I'm anointed. I'm appointed to do this. It's up to you to receive it. He even asked a man a rhetorical question. It sounds like it shouldn't have been asked. What was he thinking? A man that had sat for how many years at the pool of Bethesda? Thirty Eight years he came seeking healing. But he was too debilitated to get into the water because only one person once a year could get in the water when the angel stirred it. to be. And whoever got in it first got healed and everybody went home without healing. Why did God visit that pool once a year? Because the religious system, the one that he said, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, they were splitting hairs over the Sabbath instead of ministering to the needs of the people that had a legitimate covenant with God. And you'll find those same attitudes in churches today that are splitting hairs over doctrine instead of ministering Jesus to the people who are hurting that need the help so desperately. And people are applauding them and supporting them. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. We need help from above today. We need the Jesus that says, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that has identified Himself and personified Himself in the person of Jesus. And He says he says to the man at the pool of Bethesda, will you be healed? He said, how can I? I have no man to put me in the water. No one will carry me there and I can't get myself there. Well, see, Jesus wasn't asking him to look to somebody else to do it for him. Jesus was asking him to look to himself. Looking to who? To Jesus. Some children are not even seeking God or serving God. They're depending on the prayers of their mama or their daddy to carry them through everything. And there's a time that God will allow our intercessions to carry them. Thank God my son learned to pray before he went to heaven. And my grandson heard him. He said, I would go by the door and hear my daddy in there praying. Something he hadn't heard in 50 years of my son's life, in in 35 years of his life. He'd never heard his daddy pray. But God came back into the picture in his life, back into his heart, and he listened to his daddy pray it. Hallelujah. Listen, church, my intercessions for him took him so far, but there came a time when my son had to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't mistake the scripture that says, if you believe on Jesus Christ to the Philippian jailer, thou shalt be saved and thy household. It's not automatic. It means the same Savior that saved you can save them too, will save them too, but they have to call on Him just like you did. 
But in that economy, the father had such influence. He wasn't the buffoon. He wasn't the, the like he is now in the culture. He wasn't this person who doesn't count. And his influence, if he has any, is only negative and bad. He had the influence. And if the daddy got saved and they saw the change in the daddy, then the mama would get saved and the kids would get saved and the household got saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, God saved this daddy. And I kept the faith before my son and I let him see there's a better life than your living hallelujah sin can't do for you what Jesus is doing for me hallelujah thank God he figured it out before he went home amen God is good today and my son is with the Lord but he went too early didn't have to go that early sin has consequences and much of it is in the body itself Friend of mine, I want you to know today there's healing provided for you and provided for me with his stripes. It's not inconsequential. There's a consequence to the cross. One of the consequences is that our sins can be forgiven. Another consequence of the cross is that our bodies can be healed. That's why it's a blanket statement. If there be any sick, if there be any, it doesn't matter. You get away from the, the, listen, it is so revealed. It is such a done deal that the James said, if there be any, you have a right to call the elders to pray for you. You have a right to receive. Amen. The prayer for that. You have a right. Let them call. Amen. We're in a culture in the church when all the miracles have been shoved aside and we are in dangerous ground. People are sitting in churches this morning. Amen. That if you really listen closely to the message and you look closely to what's going on, the minister does not believe in the healing power. They believe he does heal. He can heal, but they don't believe that it can happen for you this very day. They never bring it into the present tense. It's either in the past tense or or hope. If it's in the future tense, it's not faith. Hope is future, always. Faith is now. 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 Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. It becomes tangible. It becomes viable. It becomes visible. Glory be to God. Amen. But you have to have faith to receive. Jesus breathed on them and said what? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. They taught me how to seek for it. They didn't teach me how to receive it. I had to get out of church to get the Holy Ghost. Church told me to hang on. Turn loose. God won't dwell in an unclean vessel. What secret sin are you hiding? I threw out everything I could throw out. Of my life, of my home. Still felt condemned. Had to get out of church to quit feeling condemned. Incredible. People are sitting in churches right now that are either into the political part of it, they're in the social, social justice part of it. They're even in the history 
You can get a great history lesson of cities and where archaeologists have found this and what this meant and what that in the Old Covenant. But it's not about any of that. When you need faith, it's about Jesus. He and He alone is the author. He alone is the finisher. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Looking away. Uh, This is our message before communion, and I pray communion will help us focus back on Him because it's going to bring us back to the cross. And if we ever start loving Him enough to want to hear His Word and to heed His Word and to know Him more intimately and personally, we will look away. We will take time. We will take time. We will take time. We will take time. Well, if I want to be alone for a while, I love to go and get on the computer. I love to find a good message from the Word of God, and I have to look. One time I thought I was going to have to go here myself. You made me a disc. In case of emergency. I preached one Sunday morning on in case of emergency and he made me a disc and gave it to me and wrote on it in case of emergency. Listen to this. Amen. Because it was all Bible. It was under the anointing. It was filled with Scripture, the Word of God. And it was telling us what to do in the time of a crisis. You ever seen the thing in case of emergency? Break the glass. In case of emergency, pull this lever. Well, I got a disc that that God spoke through me. Amen. But He didn't just speak through me. He spoke to me. Can you say amen? Don't think I'm up here in a condescending way talking down to you. I'm talking to me. The Word of God speaks to me. I, oh, I don't have time to fool around with the social gospel. I don't have time to fool around with the materialistic gospel. Amen. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. Nothing else will break it but God's presence and power and the mighty authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Nothing! And we're sitting here. There are churches that are going through the motions right now. They're coming in sick. They're going home sick. They're coming in lost. They're going home lost. They're coming in bound and they're going home bound. They're going to feel better because it's a feel-good service and a feel-good sermon. It's highly entertaining, but it is not challenging at all. I want to be challenged because I'm serious about change. Hallelujah. I want victory because I represent a good God. I represent a great King. I represent a faithful Christ. Hallelujah. I'm an ambassador. So are you. Whether you're representing or not. If you're a Christian, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. My home is the embassy. It has to be if I'm the ambassador. Amen? Did you know there's a Russian embassy in Washington, D.C.? And did you know that that embassy, as far as anyone is concerned, belongs to the USSR, belongs to Russia? Did you know if you violate that embassy, it is an act of aggression against Russia herself. 
And the same way with the United States embassies across the sea. An act of aggression against that embassy is an act of aggression against America. If you become an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and there's an, and your home, an embassy, which it has to be if you're an ambassador, an act of aggression against you is an act of aggression against Him. Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, positive or negative, you've done it unto me. Can you say amen? And he told Saul on the way to persecute more Christians who held the cloak and antagonized them to stone the first Christian martyr to death. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He so identified with us. He said, whoever touches you is touching me. It's incredible. And yet the devil keeps touching people that are ambassadors of Christ. He keeps invading embassies where he has no right. And he's taking by default and defraud what he has no authority from God to do. But it's not up to God to stop him. Because Jesus said, Behold, I have all authority in heaven. There's no angel that doubts it. And I have all authority in earth. There's no devil that doubts it. And behold, I give you authority. Over how much power of the enemy? All? Complete? Absolute? That means the name of Jesus holds absolute authority in three worlds. For God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name, which is above every name that is named of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things beneath the earth, that every tongue should confess. And every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that He and He alone is Lord to the glory of God. The problem is Christians with authority are not taught their authority. And if they're taught their authority, they have forgotten what they have learned. And they're willing to sit in church without a challenge, with no change. And keep dropping prayer requests in the box. Because there's a box for them in many churches. Writing it down somewhere. And if you ever get to the percentages of prayers requested and prayers answered. It's a dismal number. And it makes it look like and appear that God is unloving, uncaring, and unfaithful. And Satan cackles at that. And the demons of hell Laugh heartily at that. Because the authority of the believer. We put everything off on the devil. Everything off on someone else. We play that blame game. Let me tell you about the blame game. It's the easiest thing to do. Is to never take responsibility 
for your own circumstance and situation and spiritual condition. Someone has failed me. That's why I'm bitter. Someone has done me wrong. I saw a cartoon the other day, and it, it, was, it, was, it showed a very intelligent-looking, and it's not on television. It's one of those you see in the newspaper magazine. And it shows this psychiatrist, and he's in his suit, and he's got his spectacles on. He's got his pipe in his hand, very educated man. And it shows this blues singer. You know, you can tell he's a blues singer. He's got the beard and he's, he's got the black glasses. He looks like one of the blues brothers laying on the couch. And he says, so what you're telling me is this. The psychiatrist has been listening to him go on and on and on. And by the way, blues singers have a reason for singing the blues, right? And he's saying, he's saying so you're telling me this, that you woke up this morning and your woman done left you. That's the blues. Of course you got the blues. Everybody has something to groan about, to gripe about. Christian, I'm going to tell you something. When we are no different from the world about us and we are content to be in that condition and to just go through the revolving door of a cut and dried church service, without being challenged for a change. No change is ever going to come. Jesus helped or healed no one without faith. Because without it, it is impossible to please God. We can't represent Him to a lost and dying, gainsaying world You can't get saved if you don't believe Him. Amen? How shall they believe upon Him they have never heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall He go except He be sent? Can you say amen? Sent doesn't mean financially supported so that He can get through Bible college and choose a church where He wants to settle in. No, sent means God called, God appointed, and God anointed. And that's why Jeremiah said, Here am I, Lord, in the presence of God. Isaiah, here am I. Here am I. I'll go. No, here am I. Send me. Pray the Lord of the harvest that He, the Holy Spirit Himself, would send labors into the field. Jesus said, as my Father sent me. How God anointed Jesus. See, with the appointing comes the anointing. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing what He was sent to do. And with the sending came the holy qualifying. Can you say amen? That's why when I went to a house, amen, and people walked out to greet me, I just sat down and made it a broadcast and the anointing came on me for that broadcast because He sent me, hallelujah, to teach the Word. And He sent me to preach the Word. And thank God there's still some people that appreciate the anointing, that recognize that without it, no yoke's going to be broken. But a satisfied church 
that doesn't want the change. They just want their needs to be automatically met because they're Christians. And don't want to take the time to build their faith to receive the answer. God gets the bad rep. God gets the bad rep. I don't want it just for me. I was ready to go home. I told my wife, if I'm not going to be whole, if he doesn't heal me and raise me up, I don't want to be a burden to you. Did I not in the emergency room? The peace that was on me, I didn't worry about her in there, not because I was just thinking about me, because God, I knew God is in control. And I knew God would take care of her. Without me, it's, if God can't take care of her without me, she's in trouble. Because a day may come, and probably will come, when, when she's going to have to depend on Him. Hallelujah. And He's enough, believe me. I wanted, I was ready. I thought, if I go home like this, this is a good way to go. If it's time, and He's done with me, I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's nothing holding me here but my family and my ministry. Forty-five years, there's been some impact. Thank God, I needed that yesterday. I needed someone to tell me, I'll never forget what happened to me at the Holy Church of God. Hallelujah. Because that's not just one person. or a, a, That's not a... Uh, an aberration. This is something that many people have experienced. They came through down through the years and they were encountered with God's anointing. Nick said we don't necessarily need a, a, a guy with a gun in the church because if someone come in here to do harm and the anointed is flowing, the power of God would blow them right back out the door. Nick, I appreciate that. I hope we never have to use a gun. Amen. I hope that we are so under the anointing. And I know a lot of people feel bad and sad. And I know this is not a big crowd of people to help carry anybody with the enthusiasm. But you've got to get something going on down in your own heart. Can you say, man, out of your belly? Your, say, my belly. My belly. Not somebody else's belly. This is about your belly. Your inward man. Out of your inward man. You've got an inward man. And though the outward man perish, the inward man, he ain't no ways tired. He's renewed day by day by day by day by day by day. Can you say man? And out of your inward man, hallelujah, your belly means the central part of a person. That's where your spirit is not located here but it meant that the spirit is the center of you hallelujah and is central to you and out of your spirit man where he has come to indwell shall flow rivers plural of living water springing up unto everlasting life so Remember the commercial, what's in your wallet? When it gets done, what's in your belly? Can you say, man, who's in your belly? Is there anyone in there? Is there anyone in there? Are you a Christian? Let's see the hands of the Christians today. Someone's in there. Someone's living in you. God's not dead. They wrote a song to counteract the God is dead movement. Just after the turn of the century, 
Atheists started that God is dead. If there was a God, He's inactive, He's impotent, He's not relevant anymore. And people theologically could defend it with Scripture, but it was more the people that had experienced His presence and power. Wrote the song, If God is dead, who's this living in my soul? Can you say, man? Hallelujah. God's not dead. He's still alive. I feel Him in my hands. I feel Him in my feet. I feel Him all over me. Amen. Hallelujah. He's God at the pulpit. He's God at the floor. He's God. Oh, you know, he, oh, and He always will be God. And the God of heaven and earth. We've got a teaching out right now. And I love to teach it because I'm challenged when I do. The mystery of Christ in you. Is there anybody in there? Who's living in your belly? Everybody say who you think it might be. Jesus. God. Holy Spirit. All three of them. How will you manifest yourself to us and not the world? They're all over you. Every time we go anywhere, they're elbowing us out of the way to touch you. How are you going to be personal with us and not expose yourself to everybody? If anybody will hear my, my word and keep the, my commandments, that means have a heart to obey. Make him the Lord of your life. It doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means have a heart to obey. Can you say, man, I and my father will come to Him personally. And we will make our abode with Him. We're going to leave. We're not going to sit on thrones aloof in the highest heaven. He can be there and here simultaneously. For God is a Spirit. Can you say amen? And what did He say with the, about the Holy Spirit? Oh, I'm glad that you asked. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. Orphanous, like orphans down there. I will not leave you alone on your own in this fallen world. Listen, he said, I will send you another comforter, paraclete in the Greek. And it literally meant one who stands in behalf of another one called alongside to help. But it's more than that. That is part of it. But it's even more than that said He will be with you alongside to help. But oh, it's going to get deeper than that. He will be with you. He will be with you. And He will be in you. As it is written, saith the Lord, I will dwell in them. I will walk, perambulate in them. And I shall be their God, and they shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord. And I will show that they belong to me because I will indwell them. And the Holy Spirit is the seal. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, until the physical resurrection. You're sealed. And the word sealed doesn't mean like preserved like you do strawberry jam or grape jam. It doesn't even mean a tattoo or a mark. Sealed simply means marked or branded, but not on the skin, not on the outer part, but because He can indwell you 
it brands you as his. And it's become the earnest of our expectation, Jesus in us. The down payment on heaven. Because the three that make heaven holy. Holy city is not holy because it's pure gold. Pure gold doesn't make anything holy. Precious stones don't make it holy. The fact that it's sin-free leaves it in a holy state, but that's not what truly makes it holy. You know what makes it holy? The same thing that made the burning bush so holy that a man was said in, in to, to, to reverence the presence on this bush. You better take your shoes off as an act of reverence. When God comes down on a mountain, the mountain is made holy by His presence on that mountain. And once he comes down on top to manifest his presence, even if, a, even if a little bunny rabbit come over at the base of that mountain and started up, they were told to kill it immediately. It is invading a holy space. And behind the veil was a, a manifestation of the presence of God. And their veil was made of linen. The weight of it was something like a ton. It wasn't a beautiful little curtain. Some people say they had layered the linen until it was like a wall, literal wall in thickness. And if you walk behind it unauthorized, you die. Couldn't go back there. Why? Because his presence had sanctified that place as so holy that man could, couldn't do it. Oh, what about the high priest once a year? Once a year only. And you know what he had to do? He had to go through ceremonial washings. He didn't just take a bath. It was ceremonial washings signifying the cleansing of any sin, any activity or attitude. Uh, that need to be repented of. He had to, go, he had to go through ceremonial washings. He had to offer a sin offering for himself to go back there to offer a sin offering for the people. Then he had to put on white robes, perfectly white, covering him all the way down to his feet. They put a rope around him. Oh, by the way, they put little bells on his sleeves and the hem of his garment. Because if he didn't qualify, he would die back there. And if he didn't offer a sin offering, judgment would come on Israel. Do you understand what your body has become? What our body has become? What our physical body has become? This is incredible that my body could become that kind of place. Qualified and sanctified for that kind of presence. My body, your body, this holy God says, I'm coming. I'm not going to stay behind that veil. That veil is going to get tore up 
But I'm not leaving the earth. I'm going to have an earthly manifestation of my presence. And it's going to be in the human body of those who have been so sanctified by the blood of my son and my word and my spirit. Cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose. The holy purpose is not just preaching or teaching or doing missionary work. It is glorifying God in our body and in our spirit, which are the Lord's. Can you say amen? That's why the Bible said if a believer goes out and decides to commit fornication. It's not just a sin against your body. Sin against yourself. It's not just a sin against God sitting in His heaven. Christ in you. He said if you join yourself to that, you join Christ to that. He's not going to jump out and say, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't going for that. No, I'm committed. I'll never leave you. No wonder when we defile our bodies and it is the holy temple, what's going to happen? This holy God, how's he going to react to that? What's his reaction? What does the Bible say? Do you know what the Bible says about your body being defiled purposely, promiscuously? He, now he may let the devil, he may let circumstance, but he, there's something up on our website, and it says you can't curse what God has blessed. But you see, there's another side to that coin. Pastor Venable flipped the coin over to the other side because everybody says, ha ha, the devil can't put no curse on me. Well, that's true if you are a real Christian. Truly born again, and you have it in your heart to obey God. You'll never get it perfect, but you can't just be a rebel and expect this blessing. You can't bless what God has cursed either. What did he say? Two sides to the coin as we get ready for communion. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 begins like this. Blessed is the man that literally does his commandments. Hears and obeys. Gives heed. Blessed is that man. Happy to be envied is what that means. But these blessings will come on him. They will overtake him. He'll be blessed in the city. He'll be blessed... In the country. He'll be blessed when he sits down. And he'll be blessed when he rises up. You know what's wrong today? we got people wanting the power. But they're not wanting the sanctification. That must come with it. We want to speak in tongues. We want the power of God to come. But we don't want to get truly, thoroughly cleansed and right with God. And the price is being paid for this cause. For this cause, we know a lady that went to a communion service in one of these 
dead churches. And I don't say that just to be mean. I'm saying it because it's just true. No challenge. No change. Go to get a child christened and experience a communion, a sprinkling of a child in a communion service. And in this particular religious organization, they use real wine instead of grape juice like we're going to use this morning, the fruit of the vine. And this was a statement that was made during what kind of communion? Holy communion. Representing His body, His blood. That's got to be holy. You can't take that lightly. It can't be a church ordinance that you just go through as if nothing had happened. She said, oh boy. Real why? Her mind was not on the sacred and the sacrificial blood of Jesus. It was on getting to get a little jigger of an alcoholic beverage. I went to pray for that lady when she was dying of a disease. She wouldn't even get off the cell phone. amazing the irreverence the irreverence man came to me and said you need to take off that tie you need to take off that coat on Sunday morning you need to put on a flannel shirt and a pair of jeans and and uh, relate more with the people get that reverend off the front of your name when you sign a check or sign a Reverend Robert Venable. Honey, if you don't reverence the Word of God, if you don't reverence the house of God, if you don't reverence the servant of God, there's going to be no impact. You see, the world and the devil wants everybody to just be good old boys and girls. That's why the divorce rate among ministers is the same as people. You can't let them counsel you on how to make it because they, 50% of them, just like the world, the same as the world. And it makes everybody else feel better. He's got a big church. He's got a healing anointing. Honey, it ain't over yet. It's not about that Samson had the power of God come on him after he laid with a prostitute in a city. But a time came. A time came. The Bible said because sentence against evil isn't executed immediately, the sinner's heart is fully set in them to do evil. You, you know what I'm saying? Fire didn't fall. Samson got up, took the gates off the city. This wasn't Jezebel. This is just a prostitute he was having sex with. And the anointing came on him because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. We become responsible for it, but it won't always be there. He was so convinced he could sin with impunity, without consequence, because the power of God still came on him. And people are still believing that today. Because they can prophesy at church, because they can still preach under an anointing. 
they can continue on. No, a day will come, a time will come. And a time came in Samson's life. And when it came, he shook himself as at other times. Fully expecting the anointing to come and them, them, those bonds to be broken. But he found that he was weak as anybody else. And the devil had him in his clutches. Saul and Jonathan had the anointing. Jonathan didn't have to die with his daddy. His family loyalty to his daddy was greater than his love for David. And there are people in church right now that family loyalty has nothing to do with the health of their own soul. My daddy goes there. My mama goes there. I'm going there. Almost, I see warning signs when people walk in with an attitude of their spirituality because I know they won't listen. They won't humbly receive. They really are not looking for a pastor. They're looking for a patsy. They're looking for somebody they can influence and tell what to do and how to do it. They're not looking to be led. They're looking to lead. They're looking for the chief seat They're looking for spiritual respect from others. You can't get that unless you get humble. You can't get that unless you start following Jesus with a whole heart. You can't get it because you prophesy. You can't get it because you had a dream. You can't get that. So there's so many Pentecostals without pastors. They don't have a pastor. Because no one is spiritual enough to minister to them. Because the reverend has been taken away. They don't revere spiritual leadership. You that stone the prophets. Kill them that are, what? Sent to you. But if they had listened, what would have happened? What would have happened? He said, I'd taken you under my wing. If you'd listened to them, they would have listened to him. And he would have what? taking them under his wing. One million Jews were killed when Rome came in. Many of them crucified just like Jesus. I'm told that the first use of the word Roman candle wasn't 4th of July. It was Nero putting Christians on crosses, setting them on fire, and they called to light his garden parties. With Christians burning on crosses. And they call those crosses Roman candles. They died for him. And we got people today that don't even want to live for him. They don't want to go to church where they're challenged to live for him. And the focus is so easily broken. Until a crisis comes and I'm sounding a warning today. I love you. I'm a pastor and an evangelist. I'm an evangelist with a pastor's heart. And we need some of those in churches because we've got too many pastor's hearts that don't have the passion. That just want to pet everybody and soothe everybody. Honey, when you, when, when, when you need deliverance, when you need an answer, when you need a miracle, it's not soothing you need. You need an answer from Almighty God. 
And the devil wants you to be postured in a position where you're disqualified from receiving. And God wants you in a place that He can hear, He can answer, and you can bring Him glory. Hallelujah. 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 Yea, la bajo da Brother Taylor, this has emptied churches and still of filling them. But there was a time not too many years ago that this would have filled churches and they would have filled altars and God would have filled hearts and filled lives with Himself and His Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Looking away, say it with me again, it's so vital that in this communion we get cross-eyed. Can you say, man, God wants you to be cross-eyed. The easiest way to get your mind and heart fixed on Jesus again is going back to the cross and looking upon Him that bled and died for you. And in your love, reciprocal love for Him, saying, Lord... I want to know more about you. I want to get closer to you. I don't want to, I don't want to be distracted by, by my hurts and my frustrations and my agitations and my anger. Oh Lord, I need the joy of your presence and your person for my strength. And nothing in the world, and no one in the world can do that for me but you. You're the author and the finisher of my faith. Since looking to Jesus is not glancing or trying to fix our gaze only when the trouble comes, but fixing our gaze on Him. Looking away from all that distract must come first before looking to Jesus. And the hard part is not looking to Jesus. What did David say? One thing I've desired, that will I seek after. To inquire at your temple What did he think was behind that veil? He said, there's a person back there. And that person, in his character, even though he's a spirit and the glory is just a big bright light, but I know there's a God causing that Shekinah to shine that is not only holy, but he's a God of love and mercy and grace. Oh, one thing have I desired. That, that, that. Come on, whatever you desire, you'll find time for You'll, you'll find, you'll make time. Listen, you will. What? Oh, come on, come on. If you want to go fishing early Tuesday morning, if you were there, I'm not talking about, you will wake up. You won't say it's too muggy, it's too hot, it might rain. No, you will seek after that. You will find a way. You will, come on, church, we know that. Amen. One thing, it gets central. Oh, hallelujah. Have I desired that? Will I seek after to inquire at your temple that I might behold your beauty? Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, Your grace abounds to me. 
I want to take your word, it says, and shine it all around. But first, just help me live it, Lord. First, first and foremost, just help me live it, Lord. So what we see here today is in no way a representation of all of the promises and provisions that God has given the believer, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. That linen veil is torn. Not just so we can go behind the veil into His presence, but so He can come from behind the veil and live in us. Your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. Thank God I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But with that infilling comes more than a responsibility for the charismata or the gifts or the power, but a responsibility for the person indwelling. Be careful what you endorse. When you bid God speed to someone headed to hell, someone preaching false doctrine in the name of loving them, when you bid them God speed, the Bible said you become partaker of their sin. You're aiding and abetting them in that that's going to hurt them. You take a stand, there will be people reject you. You take a stand, there will be Christians that will quit you. Because they don't want to live for God. And they think you're unloving and unkind because you're trying to keep them from the harm that they're going to receive. We want preachers to tell us Everything's going to be okay. Just build your faith. Forget about holiness, righteousness, or sanctification. Yet at Holy Communion, we are told, search yourself. I love David's attitude. He said, search me, O Lord. He didn't trust himself anymore. After the sin he had committed... And the forgiveness that had been given him. He, he said, Lord, I know you love me. I don't trust me to assess myself. Search me. And see if there be any unclean way, attitude, or activity in me. I want you to show it to me. I want to be convicted. Because I want to be right with you. And I don't want to fall into the trap of the devil. What the Bible say, blessed is the man whose sin is covered, David said, whose sin is forgiven. What is it? he that forsaketh? He that forsakes, com- he that confesses and forsakes. It's not just in saying I'm sorry over and over, still committed to continue the activity. It's to confess and forsake. Repentance is forsaking, not crying over it, not weeping about it, but stopping it. Stop! I'm angry. I got a right to be angry. No, you 
Don't. Not at this table. You can't hold it here. If God, for Christ's sake, not because you deserved it at all, but only for Jesus' sake forgave you. You ought. You owe it. It's a debt that we are obligated to pay in order for Him to continue to forgive us. Because if you don't forgive men, your Father won't forgive you. And I don't know about you, but I can't afford that relationship with God. I'm not that perfect. I need mercy every day. I need grace every moment. You don't know what they did. I don't care what they did. Neither does God. God knows what you did. Gave His Son. Christ knows what you did. And He gave His life. And He says, who are you? To not freely forgive. Having been so freely forgiven. Communion is not where you come to say, Lord, I'll give you this much, but I'm going to hold back that. Communion is where you come to agree to unconditional surrender. Jim Gates' son felt the anointed of God. He said, how much do you pray every morning? I said, I pray a very short, simple prayer. It's incorporated in my breakfast. I don't spend hours in prayer. Listen, you don't, it's not the time spent. It's the quality, the sincerity, and the faith that's in it, and the commitment. I fix my oatmeal, my two pieces of plain toast. My coffee is percolating. I'm up before everybody else. I fix that. Instant oatmeal. High brand. I needs the brand these days. And, and I pray. I said, Lord, I lift this up. This is just me now. You don't have to follow my pattern. But just get in the Word. Make some commitments to God. See some changes. I lift it up. I hold my bowl up. And I say, Lord, I lift this up to you to be sanctified by the word in prayer, the word that declares you are Jehovah Rophi, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my physician, and with gratitude and thanksgiving. And Lord, I see, I can't ask him to sanctify my food to my body without me sanctifying my body unto him. You understand the difference? Yeah, give me food that's really going to make me healthy and, and be a health to my body and a help to my body. Sanctify the food. That, why would he want to do that anyway? Because he lives in there. He lives in there with you. What you got in your belly? Who do you have in your... Is there anyone in there? Does it make... A big difference that he's in there. So I said, Lord, and the first time I asked him to sanctify the food to my body. First time I asked for that. I couldn't finish it. Holy Spirit said, what about your body? Not just your food. What about your body? The Holy Spirit, and you never have to think about it anymore. We got some bad mouth, bad living Christians out there that got saved and sanctified back in the day. Honey, it's not what happened back in the day, it's what's happening today 
that matters. I sanctify myself every day because your mercies are new every morning. Amen. And why shouldn't I be committed every day to you? So I said, Lord, I sanctify my body unto you just like this food is sanctified unto me and I receive it as health to my navel and marrow to my bone. What makes me feel good? It's not just the fact that I got some kind of superfood spiritually. It's the fact that I have made a commitment, and I say it over and over again. I told I told Jim's son because he's a sweet young man. He's hungry for God. He was a little tyke, but he never forgot the anointing at the Holy Church of God. Can you say, man? Hallelujah, Amen. And he's still hungry. He said, when I came to visit y'all at church with my daddy, you were singing as the deer panteth after the water. I haven't heard that song in years so my soul panteth after thee and all of those memories of the sweetness and the purity and the power and presence of God came rolling back and he had tears in his eyes in his front yard I said I'd just make a daily commitment I said I am my wife's husband she can speak of me. That's my husband. When we broke ground, took four hours to get us home. We got home at 1 o'clock. We were actually at our house at 1 in the morning. Called AAA at 8.30 in Lake. Sean said he'd come and get us. Josh, <laughs> Josh said he'd come and get us. Somebody else said they'd come and get us. They knew about it. We didn't need nobody to come and get us. We needed AAA to do their job. They kept us hanging. Auto, auto calls would come and say, they'll be there by this time. They'll be there. They're on their way. They're four and a half miles away. No, they're not. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I told them, y'all crazy. <laughs> I did. I said, y'all, this is unacceptable. This is the craziest thing I ever heard. The record company didn't even get the call. And after two hours, they figured out the record company never got the call. So they couldn't be on their way because they didn't know. And when they did get there, they were not authorized to tow us. Anyway, it got all crazy. It just got all crazy and crazy and crazy. Why are you saying that? Because, listen, listen, you can look to people. You can look to yourself. You can look everywhere you want to look. But if you want to look somewhere you can depend on. That will not fail you. Will not let you down. Amen. Look unto Jesus. But you can't look to Jesus. Amen. Don't wait on a crisis. Don't wait on a circumstance. Don't wait on trouble to overtake you. Don't wait on a disease. Don't wait on anything. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank God if something befalls me today, I'm not going to have to do what I did in the floor when I was having a stroke seven years ago. I went to pray and I didn't know what to pray for. I didn't know whether to rebuke the devil or ask God for help or what to do. I'm strong. I'm healthy. And I'm laying in the floor naked. I started to get in the shower. Got out of the shower. Already getting fuzzy in my mind. There's nobody in the house. My wife is sleeping. I walk into the refrigerator to get orange juice to pick me back up and fall flat on my face. Everything goes. I'm naked. I'm flat on my back, on my front, really, face first, and hit my head because I couldn't even lift my arms. 
a crisis. I'm helpless. I can't get up. I can barely talk to call for anyone. No one heard me but God. I hit the wall and then the floor. And Matt heard me hit the wall in the apartment next door, the garage apartment. And he come running over and then he got his mama and said, Daddy's, Daddy's. In the, he never saw me in that condition. Mom, Daddy's in the floor. And when you are stripped literally of everything, and you can't even cover your nakedness. You know, the Bible talked about the day of judgment and the shame of our nakedness not being covered by the blood of Jesus. And the righteous robe is the only robe that can cover it. It's an awful feeling to be helpless. I was helpless, but I wasn't hopeless. But the Holy Spirit came on me. He came on me to pray. I'll pray with my understanding. I'll pray with the Spirit. This time the Spirit gave me understanding. And you know what? I wasn't a bit afraid of meeting Jesus. I knew my soul was saved. But I knew if I was going to receive something from Him, I needed to position myself in order to receive it. This is what's not being preached at faith conferences. This is what must be preached because they're setting people up for failure when they need their faith to work the most. There was a family member that I told God, I forgive. But you can tell God anything you want to. But deep in your heart, what does it say about our hearts? Unless we open them up for God to cleanse them and change them. The heart of man is desperately wicked and on top of that it's deceitful and who can know it god does god does and so i had told him and convinced myself i'd done enough i forgive but you see down in that old heart it says i'll forgive and i'll never forget well, if you, don't, if you ain't going to let it go. Anybody see Frozen? My granddaughter. My, no, my great-granddaughter sung that song until, let it go. Let, I had to let something go. And it took something to get me to let it go, to really get down to business, to get an introspect. Willie's wife, Nisi. She said her daughter heard that testimony. And there was a conflict in, among family members. And because of that testimony, there was a bridge built between family members. You see, that's what's supposed to happen in church. Not just listen to the choir, be soothed and sent home. No, we're supposed to be challenged and changed. Can you say, man, confronted by the Holy Spirit? Glory to God. Getting us ready to receive answers and miracles. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> when you stand praying, Jesus said, if you have aught against any, forgive. When? When you're praying, then faith is not only 
The only essential to getting a prayer answer is not your authority, it's not your faith. It also has to do with your heart. Creating me a clean heart. And renewing me what? A right spirit. And take not what? Thy Holy Spirit, don't grieve or quench Him. Hallelujah. He's come to help us to get clean. Can you say amen? And then, then, not because of your anointing alone or your wisdom alone or your knowledge of the Word alone or your testimony, but then when you are thoroughly cleansed and you're thoroughly right with God, then sinners will be converted unto thee. Then transgressors will learn your ways. They'll say, God's way is the best way. I don't want to walk in my way anymore. I want to be blessed like Him. I want to be blessed like her. I want the peace she has. I want the joy He has. Because sin can't give it to me. Can you say amen? But I don't want the dead religion and broken relationship with God that just leaves them condemned and defeated all the time. I don't need no more of that. I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I forgive. From the bottom of my heart, I turn loose of the hurt and I turn loose of the anger. When I stand before you, I want to stand before you clean, whether I go home or stay here from here on. This is done. What does it take? You know what? I wished I'd been in a service where somebody had already told me what I'm telling you. He didn't bring that on me. Stress brought that on me. And did you know something? If you're carrying something in there where you can't have God's peace, the stress will build into your life. If you don't have God's peace right now, stress, I'm not talking about just the peace with God through the blood, but the peace of God reigning in your life and mine. Stress begins to build and build and build and build and build. And I, I, I remember the peace coming on me when they came in and tried to pick me up. Sir, can you help us help you up? I did my best, but I was still helpless completely helpless when they loaded me on the gurney pushed me up in the back of that ambulance I was helpless and my wife wasn't there my son wasn't there but God was there you put my, my wife put sweatpants on me to cover me I used to be a gym rat I worked out. I pumped iron. Helpless was not part of my vocabulary. But when you're down in that deep valley, and you find God is faithful. And I just want to, I want to tell people, please don't play the go-to-church game and not deal with the true issues. Keep your heart, your heart, your heart with all diligence for out of it, are the issues of life. Can you say man? Keep your heart. Keep your heart. Keep it creating me a, a, 
That, that cry for cleansing ought to be in every child of God, creating me a clean heart and renewing me a right spirit. Hallelujah. What's in your heart? What's in your belly? And what's in your heart? This is a wonderful time for cleansing. Hallelujah. The healing began when people began to intercede for me. The healing began. I didn't know whether to pray to stay here or or just thank God for the peace to go home because I was so close to home and the peace was so real. I wasn't praying to stay in all honesty. I wasn't, there was no fear after that. Nothing between me and him. His peace could reign in my heart and in my mind. And that's why hyper me could be in that kind of situation in an emergency room. And my blood pressure when I got there was perfectly normal. It's highly unusual. In fact, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. Because the peace is supernatural. Not as the world gives. Give I thee. Brother Venable, didn't you bind the devil? No, he lost when I prayed that prayer and meant it. I didn't have to defeat him. I didn't have to take authority over him. What will it take in our own lives here this morning to have a clean heart? What must we look away from in order to look to Jesus today wholeheartedly and receive everything that we need to run with patience, perseverance, the race that is set before us. Terry, when all this is over, I want to be able to say I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Your mama finished her course. She kept the faith. She fought a good fight. And when the anointing came on her, she was a different woman. She looked kind of frail there getting up in age. But that, that could fool you, couldn't it? When God anointed her to speak, all that went away. <laughs> and that little woman was a powerhouse for God when she spoke under the anointing. Amen. Hobbs knows about the anointing. My brother Hobbs knows about that. He knows when the anointing comes. Brother Taylor knows. I've said it before when he prays under the anointing. Amen. If you didn't see him, you'd think he was 35 years old. Hallelujah. I'm serious. Amen. Because inside of him there's a man. And that man on the inside of him, amen, ain't no ways tired. He's eternal as, as God is and heaven is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If God is going to come behind that veil and God is going to live in me, I don't want to purposely, purposely, defile this body and defy God to do anything about it like a lot of people are doing. I don't want the liberal preacher. I don't want the compromised teacher. I want somebody with devotion to Jesus. I want somebody that will tell me the truth. 
Not set me up for failure when I need my faith to work the most. I want to be challenged because I do want to be changed. Can you say man? How many have been challenged today? Not condemned, but challenged. How many have been a little bit convicted? Only a little bit? Okay, how many have been a lot convicted? I thought that. Amen. Is that a bad thing for him to say, I want you in a position that when you call on me, that you can be assured I'm going to come and that right early. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. To him that orders his conversation aright, to him I will show the salvation of the Lord. And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. And thou shalt glorify me. And that's exactly what I'm doing this morning. But I called on him first to help me forgive. And help me not focus on that that made me angry or upset or hurt to make me pity myself. No, I am not to be pitied. I am not pathetic. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm looking for victory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just say it with me again. We'll serve your communion. Looking away from all that will distract. And we'll receive the offering. Because we do need to sustain it so we're ready to move. And the time comes. And setting my gaze on Jesus. Who is the author. The finisher of my faith whatever the distraction is let God help you let the Holy Spirit help you he's called alongside to help you no one can hurt you like a brother sister in the Lord or a family member no one or a close friend and confidant No one else can hurt you like that. They can make you mad, but they can't break your heart. And I listened to the stories of the people who have hurt and angered and done such wrong. And I don't offer sympathy. Because if I help you stay in that state of justifying, not forgiving, I'm helping the devil defeat you. When you pray, when you stand praying, don't even start to use your faith or utter our Father until you forgive. When you stand praying, when at that moment in time, it has to be something that's settled. God said, listen, David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, this is iniquity in God's sight. If I know it's there, you can be assured God knows it's there. And if I regard it in my heart, thou, O oh Lord, will not hear me. How are we going to use faith in a God with his ears closed to our cry? 
The devil wants you and I in that position. There are Christians this morning in church in that position, singing about Him, listening to promises from the Word. But when the real chips are down and only God can come through, they're not ready to receive it. Because the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who could know it? David said, he knows it. And I want him to show it to me. Because I want a clean one. Because I can't do without God's help. I can't do without God's grace. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Not only did God heal me from the stroke because I was in a position to receive it, so the intercession worked. But at my son's funeral, the person that I had the had forgiven came up to me before I could go up to them, hugged me with tears, and said, will you forgive me? I wasn't right with God back then. Will you forgive me? And with tears in both their eyes, I said, I already did. I already did. Without asking. You're waiting on somebody to ask you. Don't wait for somebody. Just forgive. Seven times, Peter said, give me a break. Yea, and 70 times, if they ask. But I'm telling you, go beyond that. Because they may not ask and you can't keep it. You've got to let it go. If God, say it with me, if God, for Jesus' sake, forgave me. And that's the only reason you're forgiven. Make no mistake about it. No merit. No merit. Nothing. Nothing you could offer Him. There's nothing in you other than Him that gives you that kind of standing or worth. Only the blood of Christ. But if God, for Jesus' sake, forgave you, so ought ye to forgive one another. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And now in our family, we now have a family member as part of our team of of believing God for things and a friend and, and, and that bridge of over that chasm has been spanned. And it had to start somewhere. I didn't dream it would have to start with me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Straighten them out. Everything will be all right. No, straighten me out. And it will have an effect on them. Can you say amen? Well, I about preached myself into a happy state today. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm talking about I know I've obeyed God. Amen. And I'm at peace with Him. How many will receive communion with a heart that is ready for cleansing? Amen. Amen. That you'll set your eyes on Jesus dying for you and say, Lord... For your sake, for your sake, for your sake, I'm going to let all this go. And I'm just going to open my life to receive all that you have prepared for me, purposed for me, and promised me in Christ. Thank you for cleansing me this clean through your suffering. Thank you for coming to live within me. Help me to bear witness to your presence every day of my life. Hallelujah.